it's too much hiding. The hiding aspect is the defining aspect of the contemporary situation. Mm. Everyone is hiding something and they think that because everyone else is hiding something, it's okay for them to be hiding something, but it's not okay. It makes it dumber because you could actually the person not hiding anything and actually living a positive life and being open about what you went through and being open about what you went through, healing it. And on the flip side, people are hiding because they think they're the only one. That is the biggest thing. That is such good insight. But when you open up to one person, a coach, the coach is going to tell you, I also went through that. Or if you open up to your people that you're connected with, they're going to say, wow, this really resonates with me. You are not alone. You are not the only one going through this. You are not the only person that has gone through it in the past. And you are not the only person that needs to go through it in the future. But obsessing about it and not reaching out and not trying to work through it is going to compound it and refract it and spread it around. And that is pretty heinous. You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is, you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at KarenGoldfingerBaker.com. My guest is John Katz. He's a New York City-based online coach and he's focused on helping people transform their minds and bodies. John is passionately committed to his work because it's the very program that saved his life, literally. For me, this conversation touched on so many personal hot buttons. I found myself wanting to draw out the gray space between this was my life to then this was my life. As I speak this episode into the Potiverse, I see now I was looking for compassion, self-compassion, and love. I found it. And you will too. Right here, right now, in the Trauma Hiders Club. John, tell me about your favorite book when you were a child. So my favorite book as a kid was a novel called Ender's Game about a preternaturally gifted child who is very good at a particular game and proceeds apace. And for any of you out there who haven't read it and don't want me to spoil it, cover your ears. And for any of you out there that have seen the movie, I feel bad for us both because it was a horrible film made out of it. But essentially, the child is conned by adults into exterminating the home planet of a race of extraterrestrials. And I found out many years later that the author's pretty nutty fellow on one of the far ends of the political spectrum 
I don't really agree with his politics, but as a kid, I was enraptured by the tale of this child who was very skilled at something and was essentially nurtured as this computer warrior of sorts. What did you see in you or what did you want to be in you in Ender? Was that his name? Yeah, I think his his birth name was Andrew, but maybe he went by Ender. There was a lot going on and as the there's a number a series of books, there's a family drama folks did not get along too well. Um, and there are a number of things that that spun out of it. And when I think about Ender's Game, I definitely consider the other books as well. Just honing in on Ender's Game uh, Ender's Game itself. It's a fascinating coming of age tale. I read as a child. I don't know if I was gifted, but I had, you know, maybe some gifts. I felt gifted in a particular area and in, in academics and, you know, that sphere of my brain was pretty well developed early on. So I felt a kinship with the child. And I also enjoyed the idea of the underdog winning. He was always the smallest. I wasn't, but I definitely felt the underdog in some capacity. But he was the smallest. He was, you know, placed in this advanced role. There was a high amount of training. He had a, a sensei type figure that brought him up from a kid and nurtured him. And I just really enjoyed the idea of being this victorious figure. And the cool thing about Ender's Game is the battles that he would fight each one, there was something more unfair about it, and he always won. So one of the these are training scenarios that were priming him and his comrades for this oncoming battle. And each one that progressed was more difficult from the last than the last in a in a quote unquote unfair way. So maybe they didn't get to he, he and his squad didn't get to sleep, or the next time there were two teams against one, or or his team's you know legs were bound. And I just loved the idea; it was quite interactive. You know, as a child, especially one with a uh, imagination that uh, tends to run towards the adventurous, when you read this tale of a boy warrior, it's very compelling, very very compelling. Mm-hmm. I I hear that. Yeah, and I'm curious in your life. So you read this book, you're a kid, your life marches on. If there are parallels in your own life to that either feeling or truth about the unfair that you can draw where it just either it felt unfair or truly like we could see fuck man this just isn't fair the way i interpreted that or the way i saw it parallel in my own life was it always cropped up in work situations i had a number of service industry jobs and i guess my most advanced one was a manager of a large restaurant in new orleans and i always felt that Friday and Saturday nights, we were going into battle. Granted, it was a service industry battle. This is not a matter of life and death and and species extermination. But in order to more easily distance myself from the incredibly unpleasant work that is restaurant management, I always considered it in a similar light. Now, I, I shed my interest in Ender's Game many years before I started working there. But the unfairness of work situations definitely rhymed with that. So servers were calling out. And there's a, a number of tales to be told about. We could spend hours just speaking about my time managing the restaurant. I never really imported the unfairness of what I perceived Ender and his squad to deal with into my day-to-day life. And I never actually felt unfair isn't the right word. You know, my challenges, my internal challenges were I felt like a victim in other ways. I felt more of a victim of circumstance then it was like an enemy arrayed against me because in Ender's game there was there's like a a discreet finite opposition that 
that is creating these these scenarios for me it felt more all-encompassing it was pretty nebulous i couldn't really point my finger at it it just felt all around me and you know sort of inside of me as well but in work situations you know <laughs> you go into battle against these these things with you know the saturday night shift starts with the staff you have not the staff you want you know the guys that are slamming whiskey shots in the bathroom during service and just being horrible degenerates in in general but i love that i like that we started out with a literary discussion andrew's game was probably my favorite book up until i don't know maybe middle school or high school but it, it definitely to this day holds a place in my heart just because uh, it is quite quite special and everything that happened after it is interesting there's something that's a little bit more mature in one of the later books where the family member has to return to the fold to heal a lot of interpersonal wounds before the characters if anything identify more closely with that but in the state i'm in now drawing a lot of parallels from from these works of fiction is doesn't serve as well as as sort of bringing one's own non-fiction narrative to light and i'm very pleased to say that i've done that but for years and years i lived in that world of abstraction the world of letters and the world of other people's stories hmm. yeah how did you go from living in that abstraction like what was what was your tipping point that said i want to write the narrative was there an event? Was there just like, fuck this? What what happened? Yeah. So I had a pretty rough breakup in late 2020. And there was a lot of negativity in the relationship. It definitely should not have occurred to begin with. I was engaging in a lot of nihilistic behaviors. I had been for years. And after the, the dissolution of that relationship, I went all in on what I consider to be society's release valves you know normalized behavior around substance use eating alcohol abuse sleeping around the so-called hookup culture and it drove me to a place of extreme negativity real real dark place i was chasing pleasure and i only ended up finding pain and i had been chasing pleasure in such a manner for a while but things really precipitated in january of 2021 I was really deep in this dark negative state and my life became so painful that I was actively considering suicide and a lot of this had to do with the fact that I felt out of control that someone else was writing my life's narrative that no matter what I did or no matter what I could do I was always sort of in the passenger seat of my own life and when I decided to enter the driver's seat of my life that's when I took back the narrative of my own existence and it started with dropping all of my negative behaviors and implementing a few strictly enforced positive behaviors and from that day forward i have written an entirely new narrative i've been penning pages every day chapters every week whole books every month and displaying it as well you know i am i am literally writing a new story with my hands you know inscribing it and then i am writing a new story with my actions i'm telling the universe and everyone in it and everyone who inter interacts with me you know who i am through what i do every day mm. and for you making the transition to what you call nihilistic behavior you know drugs fucking around all the other things that came along with that to what one might call committed to another way of being was there for you any fuzziness what i hear is like i was fu I, I was fucked up i was done being fucked up 
and then I, I really was done being fucked up and did these things. You know, it sounds like there's just like a knife that sliced between fucked up behavior and new ways of being. Of course, there was a learning curve. I had never worked out a day in my life. Mm-hmm. I had never tracked anything I ate. I had never really been honest with myself about my past. I had never really been honest with the world about my presence in it. I had never really approached relationships in the manner in which I should have. One does not learn these things overnight, and one cannot learn them from books, but one can learn them through a consistently applied, committed program. And that's what I did. So tell me about the beginning for you. It was incredibly shocking. It was a shock to the system in every way. It was a shock to my physical system because the muscle growth was immediate. You know, the muscle tear actually was immediate. It was a shock to my nervous system because I was flooded with an incredible amount of emotions. It was a shock to my emotional system. One of the first pieces of writing that I did, and I don't think I've spoken about this before. One of the first pieces of writing that I did was a number of pages written to my ex and after some time walking this path, I, you know, accumulated quite a number of pages and I reached out to her and we met up and I I read it, you know, this long apology. It's the best way for me to say it because I was such a bad version of myself in, in our relationship that that this program drew out. It's like a salve that that draws out poison, you know, it draws it out of you. And if you're willing to express it, and remove the poison from yourself and really discard it, that's where the growth is. But I had to come to terms with it. And that involved being accountable, accountable to her first and foremost, because she was the person that knew me best and knew exactly how dark I had become. And then from there, it spiraled outwards. So there was definitely a growth curve. And as I continue to walk now, the more of myself that I shed, the more I realized I can shed. This is a this is essentially an endless path. This is not essentially anything. This is an endless path. But starting out, the mountain of karmic debt was enormous. Mm-hmm. The the pen was very full. There were a number of pens for me to use to write. And I had to learn everything. I, I could not do a pull-up. I could not do a single pull-up. And I I remember this vividly. When I did my first pull-up, I was prouder than when I received my university degree. In fact, I think that that is a greater accomplishment. I know for a fact that I got more out of being able to do my first pull-up than I got out of college. And I I, I, I mean that. I feel that. Yeah. 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 So one cannot immediately flip the switch and just become an entirely different person. It's about becoming. I mean, to this day, I'm still becoming the best version of myself. There's no cap to this. There's no like you have reached your maximum full potential, you know, the potential, the cap to that increases as you reach it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I never talk about goals. I only really look at results and systems. Goals are something to limit yourself by. If you're looking for results and you're looking for a system to provide that, then you have essentially unlimited ability to grow and to push forward. There's a lot of pain or in addition to writing that to my ex and, and being honest with her about who I was, who I had been and who I wish to become. I also had a lot of internal dialogue and a lot of things to think about from my past, being bad in other relationships and just being unpleasant. And this often manifested itself in a lot of tears during and after my workouts. I I can't remember the last time I cried. I'm not even sure that I'm capable. I don't know what could bring me to tears at this point. I think I may have burned that part of me out of me. I'm I'm not sure maybe in the future if I enter in a relationship with someone or uh, if I have some experience that I haven't had 
perhaps I can cry again. I, I can't remember the last time I did, but starting out on this path, there was a lot of tears, tears of honesty, tears of acceptance, tears of understanding of a lot of things that I had dismissed or pushed to the side or pushed away or pushed down. Um, and that was definitely some rocky, there was a lot there and that doesn't happen anymore. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'll call myself out here. <laughs> when you said that, I imagined things, experiences in your life that maybe you're, you have yet to experience that uh, I hope do bring you to tears. The heartbreak of love. I don't mean getting your heart broken. The willingness of heartbreak is paired with love. You have to be willing, right, to get your heart broken, to be fully immersed in love. Absolutely. And I, I broke my heart and the hearts of others in, in pretty much every relationship I was in. I was incapable of giving or receiving the love that either party wanted. And, and It's a different and, kind of heartbreak that I'm talking about. I'm talking about being so fiercely loved that you acknowledge the willingness to have your heart broken. And that's the shit that brings you to tears, the good shit. That's the shit that that's the stuff. That's the beauty. I hope I do get to, there. Yeah, I hope so too. I do. It, it would be great. You know, I do plan if if the universe wills it to enter in a, another extremely long-term committed relationship. And who knows where that, if that will happen or if it does happen, when it does happen, where that goes. And perhaps there's so much, there's something there to bring me to tears. But mm -hmm. in terms of the tears that I used to shed, the tears of regret and, and a mm. pain and shame, I imagine. Definitely. Oh, I was a horrible version of myself in, in all of my relationships. First and foremost, the relationship to myself. It's the, the relationship to the self dictates the relationship to others. It's, it all starts with the self. One cannot be bad to others if one is not bad to themselves. And I was very bad to myself. So naturally, I was bad to others. No one who is okay with themselves is going to be getting extremely intoxicated. No one who is okay with themselves is going to get extremely overweight. No one who is okay with themselves is going to travel to the ends of the earth to try to find themselves when they're actually running from themselves and the behaviors that I engaged in. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. There's a part of me and my training and my life experience that says, all. yes, all of that is very true. And I say that with a compassionate heart that... And maybe this goes back to your, you know, normalizing being overweight, normalizing drug use. What I see is there are all sorts of contributing factors to all of that. And if we choose to make a shift, and let's use overweight as an example, if we choose to make a shift around that, acknowledging, wrestling with, doing something about the stuff that got us to that place, I believe is is job number one, can be done in partnership with tracking your food and exercising and everything else. But without the, how did I get here stuff, at least for me, this is my own life experience. I can't ignore, right? Like I can't ignore all the parts of me that brought me to the place to want to self-medicate with food. Food is the most easily accessible, inexpensive, yeah, right. soci societally ex accepted drug to use and without an acknowledgement of what drives us to use drugs we will forever be using drugs that's right i agree with you a thousand percent and i hope i hope you and your listeners it is so important to be honest with the self it is so yeah. important to be honest about denial is the underlying factor for so many people 
we deny what occurred through our actions through trying to fill the void with external things is a form of denial because if we are honest about the internal things we would not seek to hide them with right. food yep and when i was extremely overweight i was hiding a lot i was all extremely dishonest about what i had done what i was doing it is a dishonest act to eat 10,000 calories in one sitting it is a dishonest act to use drugs it is a dishonest act to disrespect people that you are quote unquote dating and dishonesty comes from denial I was involved in all of that I agree with you 10 out of 10 we have to be honest about what brought us to the negativity in order to act on the negativity I couldn't be honest about the way I looked and felt without being honest about what I had did done to look and feel that way mm -hmm. yeah okay good we're aligned there <laughs> oh absolutely yeah although we don't have to be yeah yeah there's no one that is an aligned individual like we talk about alignment if you have a thought of yourself in the future as a fit individual and you are taking acts in the present that are not bringing you fitness you are lost mm -hmm. this this is the biggest problem people have it's a level of cog cognitive dissonance that i find so powerful that you can say to yourself i want to look and feel good and then take acts against that and if the issue is some trauma in the past okay well then you need to acknowledge that mm -hmm. accept it and move through it but the only way to is accept to accept it is to do actions on the other side of it i could only have muscle when i didn't have muscle and make myself feel good in my presentation by taking those actions and something that i've noticed from so many people i speak with is they would rather identify with the negativity mm. that they know and wear it like a blanket yeah then identify with potential uncomfortability that they don't know that could actually heal them of the initial trauma i can speak for myself i would tell myself the same story about how my pain was unique and how i could never get fit and i didn't have the genetics for a six-pack and i didn't have what i needed growing up and i didn't have all of these things i told myself this dishonest story forever and it wasn't until i chose to be uncomfortable in the unknown of working out waking up early and tracking what i ate that i actually came to terms with my lies and my pain and all of these things that were dishonest so when people I, I just people identify with their pain so greatly i only identify with it because i use it as a lever to push me forward because i don't ever want to feel that way i don't ever want to be feel awkward about the way i look i don't ever not want to be able to take my shirt off at the beach i don't ever want to feel some sort of way when i'm close with someone i don't ever want to feel how do i look when i'm in a group i don't ever want that awkward body stuff that i that I know that I had and that I noticed in so many people that for me when I walk into a room I can tell who is cool with themselves you cannot be okay with yourself if you are not okay with yourself your body your presentation and that's why I speak about mental and physical fitness being linked because they were linked for me and 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 for a lot of people they for everyone they are linked the the body is a representation of the mind so if you have a disordered body like I did you have a disordered mind and and what I'm seeking to do here in my life is to bring order out of chaos my mind was so chaotic mm. i actually thought i needed to drink gin blow coke and eat mushrooms to have fun for me that what was those three would be that's what i accepted as okay and that's what i accepted to do to my body so that was that was like so dishonest and such a negative story and so painful and yet i thought that was okay so many people i see they think what they're doing is okay but it's so obviously not okay and they would say oh well you know it makes me feel good or 
it's just, dude, it's just an escape. You're just it's trying to escape from your pain into food, into booze, into drugs, into sleeping around. And it's extremely painful. It's it's extraordinarily painful and lying about your condition. The best people that I work with come to me and say, this sucks. I'm in pain. Can you help me? Which is the most honest thing you can say. There's nothing right. wrong about being in pain. There is something wrong about denying it and saying, oh, I have this condition. I can't help myself. Yeah. Right. Right. And chances are they're not going to come to you with that. <laughs> right. People will come to you when they're ready. Just like me. Same thing. They'll come when they're ready. And that's just it. That's the secret. It's when we're tired of our own bullshit and we find ourselves disconnecting everywhere in every relationship, in every job, in every, every area of our lives when we're like, fuck this, like I have had enough of my own bullshit. I need somebody to help me work through this. Yes, that's, it's true. That, that kind of point of no return or the rock bottom, wherever you, whatever you want to call it is actually the point of growth. Everything is the opposite of what people think it is. People think, oh, I, I'm in a horrible place. Okay. So you're that you're actually in the best place mm -hmm. because once you heal yourself, you can say I was in this horrible place. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's funny. Many prospects I hear, I'm not ready because I don't really know what I want. But the fact that they reached out to me in the first place is an indicator that they would one thing they do know is that they don't want what they have. Yeah, a lot of people are liars. They're lying to you when you when, when they say that. Either that or they want validation. A lot of people just want to be validated by someone who has healed or is healing. But that's that's the biggest, that's just the lowest energy people. But look, my coach told me this a while ago. The world needs losers too. And <laughs> I agree with it. It is not possible for everyone to win. Not everyone is mentally strong enough to make the choice to win because these are choices. Getting up early is a choice. Working out is a choice and eating right is a choice. If you are too weak to do these things, then you have chosen to lose. And that's fine because I want to win. And winning for me is feeling good inside and healing others and helping others feel good inside. So that's how I define winning. It isn't a pile of cash. It isn't some external bullshit. It isn't the material stuff, which incidentally does come to you after you become better inside. It's this feeling and I want to win every day. So anyone, anybody that wants to join me in winning and is tired of losing, my door is open. Anyone who wants to beat around the bush and be halfway committed, that's okay too. You know, the world needs losers. The, the world needs like unhealthy losers. The world needs unattractive losers. The world needs mentally ill losers. It sucks. This is a cold world. The society would tell you that everyone is equal and we all have a shot. No, if you are continually taking shots at the bar, you do not have a shot at good mental health, period. Yeah, I would say this, that our structures are built to create loser, quote unquote losers. It's everywhere. It's written into our cultural DNA, yeah. the way that things are organized now with government provided processed food, alcohol, tobacco, weed is just kind of legalized in New York, readily accessible drugs for if you notice, people at all levels of the economic spectrum do drugs. Mm -hmm. It is not just certain drugs are legal and they're highly psychoactive and highly brain altering and highly addictive. And then there are drugs all the way down. So it's drugs are normalized. The alcohol is normalized. All of these things are set up to make us losers. So the man or woman who chooses to win through their actions is going to win in life. If you create positive habits, everyone I know is one of three, one, two or all three of the following. Anxious, depressed, overweight. 
I want everyone listening to this to think about their circle, their close circle or their medium circle, their work group. I guarantee you that everyone you know is one to three of those three things. If you can find me someone that is not one of those three things, that person is winning in life. And I'm guessing they're winning in life. Like I'm guessing they're advanced. They're probably at the top of something. And that's great because they have taken the necessary actions. Nobody is simply born fit, anxiety-free, depression-free. These are things that we, well, maybe, excuse me, they are born that way, but the system is set up to make us the opposite. And so if you show me that man or woman that is that, they have brought extreme discipline into their life and extreme discipline into their life means extreme positivity. And there's just so many lies. People say, I'm fine, dude, you're on Lexapro. You are not fine. You need this extremely powerful chemical to be okay. This is something I I speak of all the time. If you need something to be okay, then you are not okay because you are that thing. You are not okay inside if you need this outside thing to be okay. Just want to loosen up, John. Fuck you. You need this booze to loosen up. You must be a tight. You but how tight water are you? How tight are you that you need this thing to loosen up and be yourself? Well, then who are you? Are you the bottle, or are you the person that you claim to be? Do you, do you like? I know people that need to smoke weed to be around their loved ones, like you. Hello, like you are not okay with yourself if you can't be okay with others as yourself. And then some people need food to get through the day because they get stressed out and it's a coping mechanism and they need that dopamine release. And then they're just needing, needing, needing. People that need stuff are needy. Like if you need all of these things, you are a needy individual and a needy individual cannot give. You're always taking the overweight person who's always eating. They're always eating. I'm food ways coaching for a reason. The food ways, our cultural pathways through food are what define us as people, like as a group people, as peoples and as individuals. And when I was fat and very lazy and not motivated, I used it as an excuse to not do anything. Oh, I'm hungover. Better go get brunch. It's disgusting food. Mm. I want to go out to this nice place because I want that. I want to eat this big, expensive, delicious, fancy meal with other people and just perform. It was just, it's all tied to our choices about what we choose to consume. Then it was the weekend. I need this thing to have fun. I have to, like I said, get fucked up on a million intoxicants to try to calm the chaos inside. And all of these things are accepted, especially in New York City. This, you know, there are Coke delivery services. Like my dealer was some dude that, knew he was getting paid and he showed up on time every time like this is not that he was a government employee but he might as well have been everything has been totally normalized and everyone is doing this shit and it just it it sickens me and now that i'm on this side i see the world for what it is the veil has been fully pulled back and i see exactly what's going on i'm curious um you mentioned foodways coaching is that your thing or is foodways a like philosophy so Foodways refers to a cultural pathway through food, but the name of my program is Foodways Coaching. And my channel is NYC Foodways because I think, I don't think, because the way we interact with food is the way we interact with the earth and the way we interact with the earth is who we are. And our society has set up contemporary foodways that are highly destructive. I mean, it's ecocide. If you look at the way food is farmed in this country on a large scale, just two crops, soy and corn, the two most farmed Mm -hmm. crops in this country. We are rapidly bringing the earth and ourselves, our bodies into destruction through this broken food system. 
This country also throws out one third of all food produced and a million New Yorkers went hungry last year. So this is cognitive dissonance at a societal scale. So these two things can occur in society at once and be normalized. There is no large scale or government program to rescue or curb food waste. Yet people are enormous. I believe between obese and overweight, I believe more than half of all Americans fall into one of the two. And I, I was one of them. I believe I was clinically obese. So before anyone gets in their feelings, I know what it's like to be extraordinarily overweight. I don't want to hear like people that talk about body shaming and fat shaming. I will tell you what my experience with fat shaming was. It was being ashamed of being fat, mm. a controllable condition through mindset training, correct nutrition and exercise. I am no longer ashamed. So when people talk about fat shaming and body shaming, it's a way of siding with what's comfortable and what's societally expected and accepted through the fact that 50% of people are overweight or obese because our food system is totally broken. So food waste coaching, my coaching program is predicated on healing our broken food system by healing our own broken internal system by not wasting anything. I run a food rescue program in New York City. At its peak, we were feeding 7,000 families a week all with food that would have been thrown out otherwise. This is perfectly good food. It was simply unsaleable for one of many reasons. And this is something I built from scratch. I worked on it every day for years. And I only say that because it grew in lockstep with my own personal growth. We can only give to others what we give to ourselves. So in healing myself and in healing my own broken internal system, it increased my capacity to help heal the broken food system in New York City, which will ultimately heal the broken food system in this country. I've set up rescue programs uh, on the West Coast, in New Orleans and elsewhere, because this message is universal. The idea that it's okay to waste food while people are hungry is such a slap in the face of our mother earth. It, it boggles the mind, yet it is normalized. It is normalized at the end of a shift to throw food out from a restaurant. It is normalized for grocery stores to be awful with their practices of throwing out food. It is, all of this stuff is normalized and it's, it mirrors the toxic behaviors that we have normalized in our own lives. I, I've said this before on other shows, but I fully believe that the human experience is a fractally represented narrative. So a fractal is a self-same repeating pattern. If you zoom in to a fractal pattern, it's going to be the same as if you zoom out. And I really believe that. So our broken internal system through food mirrors the macro broken food system of this country. So when people participate in food waste, New York, New York food waste, what does that look like? So my coaching program is a simple program of personal development. Instead of adding a bunch of fancy shit that nobody adheres to and doing all this philosophical musings, we implement non-negotiable daily habits. And in adhering to these non-negotiable daily habits, by definition, it is not possible to fuck your life up. If you are waking up early, working out, and tracking what you eat and eating intentionally in doing so, you cannot hit the club. You cannot hit the bottle. You cannot hit anything negative because you are fully committed to this program. And in being fully committed to this program, which is essentially being fully committed to yourself, 
then the program commits itself to you. It commits itself to strengthening you and to changing your habits. You had habits of overeating. You now have habits of eating what you need to, to build muscle. You had habits of not working out and making excuses like I did about why you couldn't go to the gym. Now you have no excuse. You used to make excuses about there's not enough time in the day. Well, now you get up earlier because you care about your life and you care about your family. A lot of people who join me, their wives and people are sick of them. They are sick of their fat, lazy, alcoholic, loser, bitch of a husband. These are words that women have like... My husband is a fat loser bitch. Like this is a reality of people. And they hit me up with that because I was a fat loser bitch. I know exactly what it's like to be unreliable in a relationship and be unattractive in a relationship. And this is the message that attracts people that say, yeah, my people need help. I need help. And in adhering to these three steps with a coach who is accountable to himself and thus my clients are accountable to me, like just like I'm accountable to them. Anyone can see me work the program every day. This level of accountability brings them to a place of being accountable to themselves. If you're accountable to someone else, you are accountable to yourself. If you're accountable to yourself, then you can be accountable for your future. You can really set a positive path forward just through implementing simple habits. A man does not grow by adding. A man grows by taking away. We've learned so much toxic shit from the society, so many unacceptable accepted behaviors. That's what needs to be dealt with. It, it, you don't add something for growth. You know, you really need to sit with whatever is paining mm-hmm. you and and not the muting nature of drugs, alcohol, food, lying, and just overall nastiness. So I'm curious um, what happens when, I'm not going to say if, you go from, right, like, haven't done this, haven't committed to oneself to now I'm claiming or now I'm showing up to make this commitment. What happens in that in between? Touched on it earlier. You have to learn, you know, you have to learn. Is there space in your program for the learning? Well, absolutely. And I provide my clients with tons of guidance. Some come in and they have the awareness to make the changes immediately. And understand that what I'm providing for them is based on evidence that I've lived and and taught others and others need a little more help. And that's okay too. You know, I'm, I meet people at various different stages of growth. Mm -hmm. Some have worked out before. They even have their own routine that they like. And there's no reason for me to make a custom workout routine for someone who's been adhering to their own fitness program. I'll just add some things on their off days. You know, We'll do burpees on these days that used to take off. But then I've dealt with people that have never touched a weight in their life as I had. So I'll write them a custom fitness program. And then I'll check in with them. Hey, how is this custom fitness program going? And then for the food thing, which is the most challenging, I make it a point to instruct people on how to track their macros and you know what to buy, when to eat, how to eat, you know, what foods are good to eat before your workout, what foods are good to eat after your workout. Everyone gets a custom nutrition plan. That's the biggest thing that I provide mm. because if there's no visibility in what we should eat. We've been so disconnected. We sit in a box and look at boxes and eat from boxes. It, that's that's the biggest disconnect. So, so much of my focus with my clients is on proper nutrition, custom nutrition, according to their body type, their level of fitness, their age and you know what they're starting out with someone with a lot of muscle is does not need the same even if they weigh the same as someone with a lot of fat the breakdown is going to be different right right uh 
Yeah, that's interesting. Tell me, what what are you most excited about in your world right now? I see unlimited potential for growth in others. It's in, it's interesting. The farther I walk on this path, I am more and more excited about what I see others mm. doing. I get very, very stoked on seeing people grow and, you know, client, I, I post, there's a client transformation at the top of my page that, I mean, this dude came in and in pretty good shape and in a month he got ripped like this is what happens when you come in and really listen and and really adhere to it and that's the biggest thing for me i'm at the point now where i actually i, I mentioned earlier that i don't think I, I know how to cry anymore i take such little pleasure in my quote unquote own successes and i take so much in the wins of others when i see other people losing weight when i hear other people saying they haven't had a drink in 10 days since they've been on the program when i see other people saying um i got a message not too long ago saying that for the first time ever one of my clients children said that he was proud of his dad that means the world to me mm -hmm. all the other stuff i'm cool I'm good. I'm I'm walking the path. I know where I'm headed. But to see other people walking the path and healing themselves and then maybe healing each other, like, oh man, that is what I'm most excited about mm. by far. Nothing else really does it for me. These types of energy exchanges and then connection, just bringing positivity to other people. That's that's what does it. Having the ability to speak the message. You know, there are mm. a lot of people don't want to, a lot of people don't want to hear this. Yeah. I mean, wish, I'll be honest with you. There's part of me that's like, dude, where's your fucking compassion? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing I should tell you. You are very compassionate. I, I can tell you the, the the most dishonest thing I could be would be compassionate to those who need compression. Mm. The position I was in, I did not change my life until I was very, very compressed. Yeah. The message that changed my life was not one of compassion. Mm -hmm. The message of compassion brought me to the point of suicide. I, I need to make that extremely clear that men in my position i'm not a woman and i don't know a woman's experience so i can i'm just going to speak about men in, in this case that men in the position that i was in that i put myself in do not need compassion accepting a man's behaviors accommodating his weakness makes him more accepting of his weakness so i did not need compassion nor did i even want it i wanted someone to tell me that i was being a fat loser bitch, and that's the message that changed me People in an extremely low position that are not doing anything with their lives need to be informed of that. And once the uncomfortability of being informed that it's not okay to be extremely overweight and it's not okay to not show up in your relationship and it's not okay to make no money as a provider and it's not okay to do all these things that were never okay until 50 years ago, need to be told that it's not okay. And in holding myself to the it's not okay i'm going to hold others to it that's the message that needs to be said society's message of, yeah. of accepting all the shit that didn't do anything for me when you were at that lowest point i i mean i i'm going i'm using my own experience here at my lowest points no one needed to tell me that I, i'm a fat lazy loser bitch that's all i could tell myself that's all i could tell myself did someone tell you that you were those things but you could change uh no so that's what i found that's that's uh, that is th okay. that's the ethos of my coaching program is to compress people and to say i did all the same things i was in all the same places and look at me now that's the power of before and after picture that's the power of results results do not lie results very clearly state that at one point in time not long ago john was in the pit john is now not in the pit 
and thus you have the ability. And that's that's exactly being compressed and saying you have just criticizing people for the sake of criticizing people is horrible. Just telling people that they suck without offering them a solution is the worst possible thing. That is the worst individual. But I don't say that. I just say that you are a loser and you can change. Your choices have brought you. And I, I do want to be clear. I have coached women, but my message is mainly geared towards men. Yeah. I, I yeah. you know, the path that that a loser male walks is very, very different now. Women are welcome to sign up with me. In fact, you know, some of them, everyone is committed to varying degrees. You know, let's just be honest, let's be clear here. But yes, the, the message is you are lazy and you don't have to be. You are in pain and you don't have to be. You are overweight and you don't have to be. You are not showing up in your relationships and you could if you chose to. That's the message. Yeah. It's bringing compression and showing that it is possible to change. I love that. Yeah. And that just might be what I'm wrestling with over here is I'm hearing like, I am a woman, right? Clearly I am a woman and I'm hearing this until you said, and you can change. That's when it finally clicked with me because all I was hearing was the shit piling on top of the shit story that we already tell ourselves. And I thought, well, that's not going to fucking do anything other than shit on shit. No, it's the redemptive journey. This is the hero's path. This yep. is about changing your life by changing your circumstances, by changing your choices. Oh, it absolutely can change. How could I be having this conversation with you if I was still in the pit? Right. I understand. I didn't hear that. And you can change. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Well, that's that's the that's the cornerstone. I mean, that's the top yeah. photo on, on, on my page is what could you become? That's the question. I That's the question I ask all my clients. What could you become? That's yeah. that's that's the foundational thing. If you stopped going out, if you stopped lying, if you stopped overeating, if you stopped using, if you stopped drinking, what could you become? I, I think there's unlimited growth. The best people are the ones that are coming from the darkest places. I want to say this, that the and you can change is compassion, is love, is heartbreak, is willingness, and may even bring you once again to tears. Hmm. Okay. Well, to make it clear to everyone, there is no state permanent except for the state of death. And that's the state I'm trying to steer you away from. You absolutely can change from whatever depressive, anxious, suicidal state you are in and change takes action. So let's make that clear that you are probably in one or many of these negative states that I'm describing. I was in all of them and I was able to change. So no state is permanent and you have the ability to pull yourself out of the pit. You know, I refer to the pit often. And that's the way I felt. I felt like I woke up in a pit every day. Yeah. I call it the shithole. Yeah, I get it. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's a good one. Yes. <laughs> it, is, it is. It is. It definitely is a shithole for sure. Yes. It says it right on my website. I have been to the shithole and back. Not afraid to go there with you either. Well, that's great. So, John, here you are. You've done it. You've been in the Trauma Hiders Club. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, there's too much hiding. It's too much hiding. I loved that as soon as we connected, it's just yeah. is the hiding aspect is the defining aspect of the contemporary situation. Mm. Everyone is hiding something and they think that because everyone else is hiding something, it's okay for them to be hiding something, but it's not okay. Just because everybody else is hiding something, it doesn't make you hiding something okay. It makes it dumber because you could actually the person not hiding anything and actually living a positive life and being open about what you went through and being open about what you went through, healing it. And, and on the man, flip side, people are hiding because they think they're the only one. 
I mean, that's my experience. That is the biggest thing. That is such good insight. They yeah. are hiding it because they but when you open up to one person, a coach, the coach is going to tell you, I also went through that. Or if you open up to your people that you're connected with, they're going to say, wow, this really resonates with me. No, you are. That is so valid. We, you are not alone. You are not the only one going through this. You are not the only person that has gone through it in the past. And you are not the only person that needs to go through it in the future. But obsessing about it and not reaching out and not trying to work through it is going to compound it and refract it and spread it around. And that is pretty heinous yeah so just know that there are people who get you and here we are we've done the thing i i really appreciate it it's yeah. uh it means a lot to go from being totally inward and totally ashamed and totally guilty and totally pained and thinking that my word was worthless i never wrote and thinking that i was worthless i never did anything and thinking that i could never do all these things i would never find all of these things to now connecting with you this moment this thing that i'm doing right now is the sum total of all of these positive decisions that brought me to the trauma hiders podcast and that it's kind of unbelievable when i think about it where i live now uh physically and emotionally spiritually and what i do now and i mean that in every way physically emotionally spiritually culturally this type of thing it just it means the world to me this connection means the world to me that's great yes well i'm glad you were here and I'm glad that you've gotten yourself to be here. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.